This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. You are going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted! Intercepted! And the ball! Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, the game. All right, Scoop Duck and High Five, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins here with you talking ducks. And I'm going to try to keep my wits on me this week, but we'll <laughs> see. Well, we don't have Mario Crispel on this week, so yeah. I guess spoiler alert, right? <laughs> It's amazing to me. I know I said this with you off air last week. It is absolutely amazing to me that he will give time to two guys in Medford. Yeah. No, it will end the day after signing day. Um, you know, because that's, I mean, it's great and it's a testament to us and what we're doing here and, and you know, and obviously the connections and, and just the quality of podcasts that we produce. You know, I know there's a lot out there and that's great. And, you know, I mean, I know you feel the same way. We wish we could do this podcast two or three times a week, but right. I just don't feel we would be able to do that at the level that we're doing it now. No. So we're, I mean, we're just going for quality, not quantity, you know, and we'll stick with that recipe, um, you know, but it's great. I mean, to get Kelly Graves and Mario Cristobal and Shea Serrano and I mean, just, you know, Jawan Johnson and, you know, Chris Steele a couple of days before he decided to go to USC instead. I mean, you know, it's just right. It's been a wild journey. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> funny one. And uh, you mentioned, hey, goes to USC. How about the big story this week? Yeah. Ducks lose Dante Williams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, well, obviously we got to talk about that. Um, you know, it's it's on, on the surface, the immediate knee-jerk reaction. Is that great for Oregon? No, it's not great for Oregon. Of course not. You're going to lose the, you know, the top-ranked recruiter in the Pac-12, and, and Dante's done a great job. Um, you know, we've talked about him before developing the, the corners in the secondary, Thomas Graham, Diamador Lenore. Um, you know, Dante Williams is a great coach, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say ill about him because he went to USC. He made a – that's the thing that's probably the hottest topic to me is just the fact that, you know, fans fans are, are fans for a reason. They're fanatical about something. You have an right. attachment to it. You love the Raiders. You know, the people listening to us love the Duck fans. You have this emotional attachment to that organization and as time goes on that that attachment gets stronger i mean you know somebody who signs up and all of a sudden likes the chiefs this year obviously that's a bandwagon fan we all know that but the guy that's been you know sitting in snowstorms and arrowhead for 15 years you know probably there's no better elation from that person you know what i mean winning the super bowl so right Duck fans, you know, back to Dante Williams, you know, it's right, right there. It's, it's a, it's a punch in the gut immediately. You know, oh, how could he leave? Why would he go to USC? Well, I mean, who knows? It's, I mean, why would you leave the job you're currently at to go to the next job? Right. You know, I mean, we all have to make those decisions. There's always a reason. Yeah. And you went through that in your life. I always use myself as an example, but it's, it's more fun in this case to use you. I mean, you've, you've worked for. I think every major recruiting site. Yeah. And I remember there was a, a podcast you did with uh, Jason Allen, who works mm-hmm. for my competitor here in the Valley. Yeah. Really good dude. Yeah. And you broke it all down. You're like, hey, I had a reason for, for every step along the way. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the you know that's the thing. I mean, he, uh, you know, Dante Williams. It's pretty well noted that there's some family issues that he's kind of wanting to tend to, and his family's based in Los Angeles. Um, you know, and, and that's the thing. People, these coaches all have lives. People don't understand. You know, they they have they have parents that are passing away, or they have children that are you know uh, having weddings, or all these things that we don't read about on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah. We're we're too busy evaluating them on who they've recruited and how good their position is doing in football, which is fair. That's why we follow them. I get it. But they have they have things going on in their daily lives, just like we do. You know, sicknesses and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And, and I'd say this for Dante Williams. Here's what I'll say. This is the first time Dante Williams is, has bounced around a little bit. You know, San Jose, down to Arizona, over to Nebraska, back up to Oregon. Um, I want to say USC is like his fifth job in six years or something like that. Um, some of that circumstance, some of that is moving up the ladder. This is the first time through all those moves, this is the first time Dante Williams has moved as a married man and as a father. And... I don't say that lightly. Right. That changes everything. You don't move all the time, a ton of times in those circumstances. Right. He, you know, I mean, the, uh, his wife, uh, I, when his wife, when he got married to while at Oregon, they, and look, this is getting personal and none of you need to really know this information, but you know, they'd started dating or whatnot during the time when he was coming to Oregon or originally. So, my point is his decision to go to USC, there were so many other factors involved versus what he's done in the past. And that isn't the, you know, it's not like she was sitting there saying, Dante, we're moving to LA. Let's go. Right. That's not the case. I'm just saying he had to look at this decision, not just, Hey, USC is not nearly as good of a football program as Oregon is. Yes. I just signed a really good defensive back class. I'd like to coach them. He's looking at, okay, yeah, those two elements exist, but here's this, and you know I've got to I got to talk to my wife. We got to make this decision together. I've got a baby on the way. I got to figure that out. Um, you know, I don't think money was the issue. I think Oregon was able to maybe not dollar for dollar match what USC might have offered. But by the time you factor in the cost of living for LA for Oregon, it was it, it was at least a very similar monetary value right you know offer the title all that stuff so you know it just came down to some personal things i think for him and tough decisions you have to make um yeah i really like the guy but again we'll just go ahead and go back over this again you and i've done this when you're having the success that oregon is having everybody wants a piece of your blueprint yes yes and and that really takes me to two angles here one I think we can put to bed any rumors, and I'm not saying you did this because you guys at Scoop Duck did a great job laying out what I think is the right case. Uh, 24-7 did the same thing. You can put to bed any rumors that there is drama on that staff. He didn't leave Oregon because of any tension or any issues. He left Oregon for some pretty serious personal reasons. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, there have been coaches in the – here's the deal. I mean – Coaches at Alabama come and go pretty frequently. Right. Nick Saban works those guys' asses off. It's tough to work for the Nick Tater. I mean, it's it is documented. It is out there. It's not like Nick Saban, you know, saying, "Oh yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a coach's coach." You know, we hang out and just kind of look at film here and there and smoke cigars and let the players run themselves. Hell no, he runs them into the ground, and he has no problem. I imagine he has absolutely no problem telling you that up front. You come here. You're going to be successful. You're going to get set up. We're going to win a heck of a lot of football games, but it's work. And it is work. I, you're seeing the difference. The, 
not only is Oregon being built for the long run, I believe they're ahead of schedule. And they didn't get that way by luck. I mean, Mario Cristobal really inherited what I would call an average or a mediocre roster. He did. It was good enough to be moderately competitive in the Pac-12. Outside of that, I don't know. No, and I think your point was proved last year when they got blown out in the second half of the year. Yeah, yeah, and and it... And here you go. Here we are. We're, we're, we're about to enter year three, but we've, we've completed two years. He's turned over the roster. There's more talent on this roster than I think Oregon's ever had, especially on defense. You've gone and you've won 12 games and you manhandled Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. You've gone and done things that I honestly don't think were realistic last year. Mm-hmm. You know, looking at where they were and where, where we are now, where Oregon is now. It's just, uh, but getting there, wasn't because they all hung out in the HDC and played Xbox and, oh, yeah, USC's coming up in a couple weeks. We ain't got to worry about them. You know, they're, they're not very good. Helton's going to get fired. We'll t- Hell no. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of recruiting. It's a lot of film. It's a lot of studying. It's getting your guys prepared. I know the coordinators that are in there, uh, you know, was Marcus Royal, but Andy Avalos, you know, they're very diligent about making sure their assistants are accountable. It starts at Mario Cristobal making those guys, the two coordinators, accountable. Well, guess what? Those guys got to go make the assistants under them accountable. It's going to go all the way down the line. Right. So, um, you know, Oregon will continue to see turnover on its ro- coaching staff roster. That's not going to change. The guys that are successful, like Dante Williams, they're going to see other opportunities. You know, Marcus Arroyo, obviously successful at Oregon got himself another opportunity at UNLV. We've already seen Oregon go through a number of analysts and GAs that have seen opportunities. There are, I would say this, 98% of college football coaches and and maybe even the NFL coaches, but 98% of them likely started out as a GA. GAs don't make much money. They're basically there as a, as a, as an intern that's basically getting paid to live there (laughs) for the most part. Uh, which is great, but you know you're not making any money, and you're putting in very similar hours to these assistants and these head coaches. You're working your ass off, but unless your dad is a current head coach at a major school, you came into that school as a GA or another school at a GA and worked your way up the ladder. And we've seen Oregon really be- become a bit of a farming, uh, you know, a bit of a farm for for GAs and analysts to come through and and, and see. Uh, future endeavors at other places move up the ladder and that's how it goes and that's that's how it's going to keep going yeah i i agree with you there that's how it's going to keep going and and kind of my other point on coach williams leaving and i've hit this all week on my show qb11 did a really good job tweeting this out the other day Mm -hmm. he broke down every single promotion or change or replacement that Mario Cristobal has made in his staff since he took over. And every single time, really the only question mark is is Moorhead versus Arroyo. We yeah. assume that's an upgrade. We won't know until we see it. But every single time, other than that, huge upgrade by Mario yeah. every time he needs to fill a position. And so I'm of the belief you trust in Mario Cristobal to find a guy. You trust that this job the cornerbacks coach and and a you know a recruiter on the staff who can help chip in is going to be coveted by coaches nationwide right and you also have to put some trust in the ability of this staff to hire from within if they go that route 
because time after time when they've done it, it's worked. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I don't want to say it's the recipe for success, but it's, I mean, it's clearly working. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, here's the thing. How about this? Before Mario Cristobal, if Oregon had a coach on staff as talented as Dante Williams from a recruiting perspective and they lost him, it would have been abysmal. It would have been like, oh, no, we're in deep trouble. Mm -hmm. But they've got so many good recruiters on the staff now that, yeah, you lose Dante Williams and it hurts, but you're still going to be okay. Right. So I feel pretty good about this whole situation. I mean, obviously, it's not ideal for the Ducks. Yeah. He's a great recruiter, and, and I understand people that say, hey, we're going to lose a lot in the short term. Right. I just feel like you get it all back sooner than you think you will. Yeah, I, I think you used the word I was going to use. Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal to lose Dante Williams, especially to USC. Is it the end of the end of the road? No, absolutely not. I mean, Oregon, here's the deal. Oregon has signed, well, I think it should be five, five stars since Mario Cristobal's arrived and Dante Williams, but it's been four. Uh, they didn't have Panay Sewell as a five star. It's criminal, right? So, but it's crazy. It's criminal, about, right? If you really yeah. think about it, yeah. this guy's going to be the number one overall pick in the draft right. next year. Oh yeah, yeah, he's going to be a what a fifteen year, you know, surefire stud, stud on the left side. Yeah, yeah. but uh, so obviously this year Oregon got three. You got Dante Manning, and you got Flo, and you got Sewell. All three five stars, terrific gets. Well, two of them were linebackers, and while Dante Williams had communication helping with Flo. That was 90% Ken Wilson right. getting that done. It wasn't like Dante Williams was auxiliary. They weren't like BFFs. I mean, you know, Flo's already said, hey, I'm sticking with Oregon. I mean, Ken Wilson's my coach. I mean, that, was, that wasn't Dante. Uh, last year, Oregon got Kayvon Thibodeau. That, the heavy lifting there was Keith Hayward. So as much as I like Dante Williams and I think he's a great recruiter and all this, it's not like he was the pipeline to Los Angeles. Oregon has done well getting Jonah Tawanu'u, you know, Justin Flo, all these guys out of SoCal at different positions that Dante Williams didn't have anything to do with. Right. So, like you said, it's not ideal. Oregon's going to be fine. I think the hard part is this. Okay, two things. I trust Mario Cristobal to make the right hire on this. And I imagine it's something he gets done maybe in the next, I would say if I had to guess a time frame, the next week wow. or week and a half-ish wow. time frame. But, I mean, you know, he's already had a couple days to get started on it. And it's not like he didn't know it was coming. It's not like, oh, crap, you know, I'm reading on Twitter, Dante Williams is going to USC. It's not like he was finding out at that moment. No. No, he knew. No, he, good good workers. I mean, you've, you've been in this situation. I've been in this situation. You give your boss a heads up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Mario Cristobal knew what he was bidding against. He was trying to keep Dante there. So clearly he knew what was going on. When that comes, you instantly, it instantly triggers you. Okay, what, what's my list look like? Who are the guys? Let's start digging. He started digging last week. So I would imagine that if I'm just guessing, and I'm spitballing, I'll bet Mario Cristobal has a handful of interviews. Today's Thursday, right? I would say by Sunday, Monday, he's probably con he conducts a handful of interviews. I would say maybe some point middle to the end of next week. Maybe he's got his guy already, if not sooner. Wow. It's just it's different. It's a different time frame. He doesn't have to. It's not like when you were going through the Joel Moorhead hire 
and you know you're trying to win a Rose Bowl, and then you're segue right into recruiting and trying to find an offensive quarter. Not to mention most of the other guys are all doing the same thing in their other schools. Right. You're saying this time signing days out of the window. Right. Rose Bowl is done. Right. This gets his full priority. Yeah. Yeah. And for him, the sooner the better because you go get that. Everybody's schedule is clear right now for the most part. The people you're interviewing and your own. So that helps. So you can conduct these interviews in a little bit faster fashion than we've seen Oregon do in years past or at least so far. And and I think the sooner you can get somebody in here, you can get them acclimated for, hey, guess what? We start spring ball in about three weeks. Here's your room. Get to know your players. Get to know who you're recruiting. You know, you want to use make good use of that time. So I think that escalates things a little bit. But again, Mario Cristobal is going to go through the process. I know I said I, I wanted to wrap this on, on that note. but Oh, I had a second part to that, didn't I? Okay. The, the second part is I don't care who he hires. This is quick. I don't care who he hires. No, it's not going to carry the same weight as Dante Williams. Everybody can't be like, oh, it's okay. We'll replace him with someone better. They'll replace him with somebody really good. But Dante Williams is really good. So, I mean, I think fans that set up and say, hey, look, we upgraded from Arroyo to Moorhead. And, you know, you make all these other similarities. I don't know that there's necessarily a perfect upgrade at this moment. But I think there are a lot of very capable guys that can really step in, recruit well, and coach very well, too. Okay, that's a better wrapping note than I was going to give. Oh, so, okay. So we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still give yours. Man. No, just, no, 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 yeah. no. I think you lay, you laid the case perfectly of the Ducks are going to be fine, yeah. but you're still losing a really good dude. You so, are. So I like that. I like and, that idea. And the last thing is defensive back coaches, they have a pretty short shelf life at the school they're at. That's one of the positions that moves the most in college football. Why do you think that is? Uh, I don't know. I, I, that's a good question there to for somebody to look up that's probably a lot smarter than me. But I don't know. If you go look at just all the way across the board, you know, a lot of times d- uh, defensive back coaches end, end up as DCs or co-DCs or pass game coordinators. You know, that's one that it just seems as though there's a lot of really good recruiters at that position, and those guys tend to move around quite a bit. All right. So Mario is on the lookout to uh, fill that void and reload the Ducks coaching staff before they try to defend their Pac-12 title. Overall, I, I, I really I feel like I could ask this question every week until they start playing games again. <laughs> right. Until September. <clears throat> does this change your outlook on the Ducks next year? No. Uh, no. I mean, um, I mean, it's pretty simple to see when you're looking at a football staff. You start at the top. Mario Crispall is the most important. The coordinators are the next most important. And you're going to work your way on down the line. And you're going to start looking at what groups have you know, have the most success and, and, and are, are producing on the field, which means they're getting coached. And as much as we applaud Dante Williams for working with Thomas Graham and, and D'Amador Lenore, the Ducks were still in the 50s in their past defense last year. I mean, that's that's not like, hey, sound the alarms, but that area, that group, and, and Keith Hayward's there too, so I'm not just saying it's Dante Williams' fault, right. but lot, that, that area could be better. A lot of room to upgrade there. Yeah, a lot of room to improve. And the best part about Dante Williams being here the last couple of years is he left that cupboard stocked full. I mean, you got you got Graham and Lenore back for this year, but beyond that, you got Mikhail Wright, you know, Dante Manning signed. I mean, everything seems to be fine with him. You've got, <clears throat> you know, you've you've got uh, you've got pieces there that should make that that room very good for a long time. If you bring in 
a coach that's semi-competent at recruiting and really good at developing, <laughs> rest going to take care of itself. No it doubt. really will. No doubt. I'm right there with you. Love what the Ducks have in their secondary. And uh, Mikhail Wright, I mean, he might be the next Javon Holland in Dude. terms of just one of those Duck recruits yeah. that blows you away early. Yep. And you think, okay, this guy's, this guy's only going to be here three years because yeah. he's that good. Yeah. I, I tell you what, and I don't say this lightly, but Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore better not slip up. <laughs> not, e- not even a little bit. You sleep, You slip up, you get injured for a little bit, and that guy gets out there. I'm telling you, it's going to be tough to get him back out. Yeah, you're he, going to get Wally pipped. He is really, really good. All right. Yeah. So I still feel good about the Ducks. You still feel good about the Ducks. The sky, the sky is still blue. Last I checked. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I just looked. <laughs> it actually I'm is blue. Yeah. You can see it today. Yeah. yeah man. I know. Huh. This this false spring is a little funky to me. I yeah, well, this is a totally different topic, but I start, you know, I'm not like one of these environmentalist people and, and no offense to people that are. It's great. I love people that are raising awareness of our climate changes and, and things that are dangerous. But man, the more and more you start reading this stuff and the and the and the weather changing and all this stuff's like, you know, I don't know about you, but I just feel like from my ignorant view, our our winters are shorter or, or at least it seemed like it this year. We didn't get much snow. We didn't get any snow down here, really, yeah. um, which we don't get a ton. But, I mean, here we are. We're, what are we, February 13th, and you and I are looking out the window at sun. It just seems weird. It, it, I think we got – last year was insane. Yeah. So the way I look at it is you get one really crummy year, Yeah. and then you get one really weird year. Right. Uh, we had a really nice summer this yes. last year. Yes. We had a miserable summer the year before. Yes. Um, we'll see if that – that keeps up. Like so, I'm with you. I'm not a climatologist. Right. I'm I'm concerned, but I don't like talking politics. On yeah. No. Guys, no. That's so. not what we're here for. It's just it's it's interesting, you know. And it's all this stuff on Netflix now. It seems like it's all documentaries about, you know, the way you eat or climate or politics or you know your neighbors serial killers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's uh yeah. Netflix is is really getting weird on me. 2020. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird world. Um, want to talk hoops with you for a couple minutes. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. There ain't much talk about football. I mean, Oregon still won the Rose bowl. Mario Chris ball, still the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. And so, it's mid February, but you and I are recording this and in about five ish hours, there's a heck of a basketball game in Eugene tonight. No doubt. No doubt. Let's get into that. I had Joey Mack on my radio show on Monday, and he's a play-by-play guy for Ducks Hoops. He thinks this is a must-win game, and I'm right with him. Top of the Pac-12 standings, yeah. you want that regular season title, and hell, I, I think you, you just want to make the tournament at this point. Yeah. you got to stop this tailspin. I think the Ducks need a big win tonight. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go ahead and use the football uh, term that I use all the time. Tonight is a win by one, win by a hundred. It doesn't matter. Yes. Just win the basketball game. Yes. Um, you know, you want a little bit of vengeance for uh, you know Colorado was your first Pac-12 game. Obviously, out at Colorado and lost. Oregon lost that game. Um, I think you want a little bit of vengeance there. But um, like you said, uh, I know that you know Dana Altman said this yesterday to media is that. You know, it's one of those things where tonight, if Oregon can win, it sets them up pretty nicely to finish this 
season where they want to be. You know, they're they're basically in control of their destiny at that point. You always want that. I don't care what sport you're in. You always want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oregon loses tonight, and then you're going to start to kind of need help. Not only do you have to win, you're going to need some favors from your buddies. And so that always gets tricky and, and really doesn't put you where you want to be. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm not one to, to try and overhype too many games. Um, you know, this is definitely a big one for Oregon basketball. Um, it's going to help that they get Okoro back. That's uh, no question, Adam. Look, Okoro and Dante aren't going to carry this basketball team, but when you take both those players out, it changes the complexity of this team. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, they just they don't have the interior presence that they need. Certainly. And, and whether that's... You know, whether it's just protecting the rim, you know, ability to grab rebounds or box out, you know, all those things, uh, you know, Oregon just hasn't had that. And I think it's been, you know, it's probably been a bit difficult for Dana Altman to, to change a little bit, change what he does around that. But you get a quarrel back and, and maybe this weekend you get Dante back or, or early next week. Um, it was funny because Dana Altman was also asked about, you know, that late season surge that we always talk about and you always see from Oregon teams and, you know, hey, do you see that from this team this year? It's like, man, I don't know. Every not team, yet. Yeah, I don't know. Every team's different. <laughs> I, can these guys do it? Sure, but, I, you know, I don't know. It's not like it's just, you, you know, he said it's not a magic wand. I don't just go in the locker room and, you know, wave it over them and all of a sudden we're a really good basketball team, right. you know, so I, I, right. I don't know. It's, there's, it, there's a lot of tinkering that goes in. And and you mentioned Okoro. Mm-hmm. I think he is going to be really integral tonight. Yes. I don't know if he fixes everything. Right. But when you have – he he's one of those players sort of like if you were to use a football analogy, um, sort of like how Jawan Johnson was really good in short yardage. Yeah. Really good on the goal line. Right. They knew to look for him. Right. Really good on third and four, third and five. Right. They knew to look for him because he's big and he's strong. Yeah. Not super duper fast. Right. Doesn't have the world's greatest hands. Right. He's not going to get mistaken for Lynn Swan, <laughs> but just third down. Yeah. They would go find him. Uh, Francis Socorro, not a five tool guy, not super skilled. But he is a rebound machine. And when you get those defensive rebounds, it sets up your transition game. And I've hit this hammer for a couple years now. I believe that the ideal for Dana and how he wants this team to play is in transition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they just, you know, last couple games, Civil War, you lose by double digits. I didn't see enough transition game. I saw a team that... They would get slowed down because Oregon State is going to throw a whole lot of zone defense at them, and mm-hmm. that's what they did, and force them into half-court offense. And then you're totally leaning on Peyton right. to get you buckets all night. Right. And if he doesn't have it, yeah, you're not going to win it. Yeah, nobody else has it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, you know a Coral being back, well, and especially against Colorado because they got a big front line. You you got to have a body in there to bang bang with them a little bit, yeah. Um, because let's face it, even if you put C.J. Walker down there, uh, he's got the length, but I mean it's hard to bang around with those guys for a whole game and not get tired, right? You know, or or get hurt along the way. You know, a guy like a Coral built a little differently. You know, got a little bit more weight on his on his body. You know, he's able to bang around with those guys, and and if nothing else he at least demands the attention of a shot blocker. So if Peyton's able to drive to the rim, yeah, they're going to go and challenge Peyton, but maybe he's got an option to pass off to now in Okoro 
um, or he can help seal them off a little bit. Just changes the whole dynamic of the, like you said, the offense. Definitely that changes the dynamic of the defense. Um, you know, when you're not as big and you're playing a bigger team, you know, you got you to gotta go front that man. If there's a big big player down low, you got to go help your smaller guy, go help front, you know, their bigger player. Uh, with a Coral, you might not have to do that as much this time for Oregon. So it, it changes everything. Um, getting Dante back obviously would be a, an even bigger boost as well for Oregon. Um, but, yeah, just like we said, you, you really want to win tonight. It, yeah. set, it sets you up in much better fashion. Huge opportunity tonight, and don't sleep on Utah either. I know, I know they're having a rough year. Yeah. Good coach, yep. smart team every o- year. Always gives Oregon fits too. Yeah. Just always does. Doesn't matter where the two teams are at. They always give Oregon fits. Yeah. I always think about that Joe Young game in Vegas a couple years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Down to the wire. Yep. Down, that's yeah. just how every game is against them. Yeah. So this is a really tough weekend for the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, not nearly as bad for the women. Still a tough weekend, but, I mean, they're in control of everything anyway. So Yeah, when you when you do what they did against ASU, yeah. I, I don't think you can say any game is going to be tough. Uh, I yeah. mean, I think Sabrina Ionescu is the best college basketball player I've ever seen. Well, she, I mean, it's funny because, okay, I, I should not have said that that way. It is interesting. It's not funny. It's interesting because, you know, Kobe Bryant obviously dies and everybody, oh, this is the, the, the season of destiny for the Lakers and yada, yada. Right. And it sure seems like it's impacted Sabrina Ionescu more than it's impacted the Lakers. Yes. I, I think that is extremely arguable. I think a Duck fan can make that statement. I think a Duck fan can make that argument. The influence he had not just on mm-hmm. her, but on everyone in that program. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Graves was brought to tears talking about it. it there was a real impact. Yeah. And, and I think as a locker room, they did two things this last week. One was, like you're saying, they were inspired by 24. Yeah. And, and they are playing fired up, and they are motivated, and they are really dedicating their season to him. Right. And then I think on the other side, kind of like how Jordan used to play in the 90s. Mm-hmm. They didn't win every game. Right. I, I think about that that series against the Jazz that he's famous for where he hits the series clinching shot right. when he has the flu. Yeah. That's in game six. Right. Yeah. That means they lost two games in that series. <laughs> and Jordan goes, We're not losing another one. Right. Right. And and against the Sonics in the finals. Sonics win two games in that series. He goes, We're not losing another one. Well, they lose to Arizona State a month ago. Yeah. And Sabrina says, Guys, that's not happening again. Yeah. We're gonna roll through Yukon. We're gonna you know, get vengeance on ASU. I, I agree with you. And and I think the thing to me that makes Sabrina so special is the fact that if she really wanted to, she could score thirty points a night, thirty five points a night or whatever. Yeah. What makes her great is how she knows when to score and when to give up the rock. And I've never seen I love that you hit that point. I have never seen a player with her archetype that distributes like that. Right. Uh, she gets compared all the time, and and now I'm I'm certain for the rest of her life, people will be tossing out this comparison that she is the Kobe Bryant of women's basketball. Right. I've heard that from for years from yeah. people that are plugged in. She is Kobe. She is so Kobe, and Kobe was great. Right. Right. Kobe could get you buckets when you needed it. it gets I think thirty about, forty. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Uh, Olympics, Beijing in 2008. That team froze in the th- third quarter. They needed a bucket. Right. Kobe got it for right. them. Right. She can do that, but 
Kobe couldn't make the extra pass. Right. She can. No. Kobe couldn't get a teammate involved. Michael couldn't really get his teammates involved. Right. She can. Yeah. And she did it the other night. Yeah. She's a much better commander of the offense. I mean, she is almost the ultimate point guard, shooting guard into one. And you you just don't see that. I mean, you know, uh, as good as like a, a Russell Westbrook or, or, you know, those guys are. They score a ton of buckets, but they don't get many assists. No, <laughs> ever. <laughs> no, I love Russ. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's the glaring hole in his game. Yeah, or, you know, or a Kyrie Irving or something. But yeah, and then and then you go and you know if you go to the other side of it and you, you talk about a Chris Paul or a John Stockton or somebody who was, you know, clearly a creator of the offense. You know, as far as distributing the ball, weren't very good at getting you buckets when you needed them in crunch no, time, though. No, disappeared in crunch time. Yeah, and she, I mean, she has it. I mean, she can do. She can do all of it, and you know, and get your rebounds, and just pre- a pretty special player. Um, and uh, yeah, it's kind of uh, it's a little bit saddening to think we're got about four more weeks left of her Oregon career. Yeah, yeah, ish. Yeah. Well, there's always going to be that elite game, elite eight game in Portland. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's gonna be fun. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Assuming. That they end up where we think they're going to Yeah, we up. shouldn't be jinxing it, but yeah. <laughs> if, if you get the number one seed in the West, yeah, or, no, or at least number two, and you're in that West region, you're going to Portland. Right. And if it's anything like last year, Moda is going to be just all 20,000 green. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for that. Yeah. And if you know if they can keep that Mamba mentality, that's uh, they. it really seems like they've taken it to heart. And I, and I say that as the whole team because – like you said, I think Kobe Bryant had such a, a positive impact on this team, not just Sabrina, and the fact that he was such a great ambassador of women's basketball, of women's sports. And, and obviously he took that, you know, from, from his daughters, but he took it to college, and he's I know he was a really, really big ambassador for women's, you know, the WNBA too. That's really special to have somebody that's a, an icon, a legend in the NBA and doing that for that sport. Yeah, 100%. Hey, um, we got a really short pod this week. Just life got in the way. I know you were telling me earlier you didn't think you'd be busy this week, and then you got busy this week. Yeah. How did that happen? I, well, I mean, you know, first off, Dante Williams screwed me over there. But yeah, no, it's just, yeah, it 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 has be it's 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 incredible to me. And I know I say this, and and it it takes it happening for people to get it, but. It's incredible to me what recruiting and football has become, and I mean that in terms of it's year round. It truly is year round. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I and and here's the thing here, and I, and we'll we'll be done here. But with the early signing period, not only has it impacted recruiting, it's impacted how programs are are dealing with coaches. You know what I mean? Some of, the, some of these coaches, hey, look, don't talk to me now. I'm going to stick it out through signing day. We can talk after that. I think that was Dante Williams here. Some of these, uh, you know, athletic directors want to fire early and get out in front. So now you got teams, you know, you got coaches getting fired in week 10 of the season because right. they want to be out. Like, and I think this is all you now have to navigate the if you wait till what used to be Black Monday, which was the last, you know, the, the first Monday after the regular season was done in college football, which would be like the first week of, of December. Well, whoever you fire and try to rehire has two weeks for that early signing day. I'm sorry, but you're screwed. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. Right. And when you screw yourself for right. one class, which is basically what you're doing. I mean, not only do you have to fire and hire a coaching staff in a couple of weeks, they have to get out there and basically be able to. So I think the early signing day has totally changed 
coaching matters too. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing coaches being, you know, let go or moving after the second signing day. It's just, it's different now. It's all of it's different, not yeah. just recruiting all of it. And I don't think duck fans have to look far for an example there. I mean, <laughs> right. we, we saw this the year that Mario took over. There was that kind of transition period of, mm-hmm. Hey, is Willie going to leave? Right. And he says, you know, I'm not, and he's got the grin on his face yeah. from ear to ear. Well, his fingers were crossed behind his back, <laughs> right? So it was okay, right? <laughs> and uh, and then there's the vacuum of okay, who are they going to hire now right. that Willie has left? And it hurt recruiting. Yeah. Oh and, yeah. And and you know, and then the year he Willie took over, recruiting had Suffered. you know yeah. a, a little bit of a, a drop in that window, and um, now you're you're seeing the inverse of that, like you're saying where stabs might hold out (coughs) until after signing day. Right. And then after that second signing day, a flurry of activity. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just think you, I mean, you know, the Michigan state deal was a little different. Obviously there was some, some other things going on with that. Yeah. I think the lawsuit was key there and all that. But for example, the conversely, Look, Oregon's always taken its time to make hires, not just Mario Cristobal. I'm talking about Rob Mullins as well. They've always taken their time to make their football hires. And mm. I, I, it's hard to argue the success, really, Yeah. overall. Yeah. I mean, as much as we want to bag on Willie, it showed. It probably showed Rob Mullins and Oregon fans a, just a totally different way of conducting business and that you can do things in an SEC-style manner out west. Yeah. You know, we just hadn't seen it yet. And And as much as we pick on him, his offensive line coach ended up being the best coaching hire the Ducks have made yep. in a long time. Yeah, so. it certainly seems that way so far. But um, my point to that is, is Michigan State, I feel, and I know there's a lot of discussion on this about, you know, the separation of, of, of finance between the Big Ten and SEC versus Pac-12. That's another topic that we can talk about here in the off season. But you know, Michigan State instantly went to Luke Fickle and Mel Tucker. Those were like their top two. Like, hey, these are the guys. And we're talking about this week. You know, they had to get this going. Um, it looks like Bolt said no, and then they made a ridiculous offer to Mel Tucker, and that was it. Yeah. And he makes more than Tom Izzo makes. Yeah, he makes more than Mario Cristobal makes. I didn't know that. Well, yeah. yeah that's, Mario- a, that's insane. Yeah. No, it's insane. Wow. And as much as I like Mel wow. Tucker, and I think he had a good year at Colorado – that's a huge freaking gamble. Yeah. That is, yeah. That, I mean, that is the equivalent of the gamble FSU took on Willie Taggart. Yes. And, 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 and those they types want that back. Yeah. Those types of things really set your program back from a financial perspective, obviously from a recruiting and development perspective. And I'm not saying that will happen with Mel Tucker, but that was a really big offer to make for somebody with his head coaching resume to date. And mm-hmm. it was a panic hire is what it was. It was a panic offer is what it was. I mean, Mel Tucker was would have been foolish to turn that away. I didn't I didn't know he's making more than Mario now. Yeah. That just seems well, farcical to me. Yeah, I mean we don't know the, the the bonus structure and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean from a base salary, Mario's in the threes somewhere. He's the Mario is the ninth highest paid coach in the Pac twelve. Let that sink in. Wow. Wow. Yeah. The ninth highest paid coach in the pack to now i think they're restructuring and, and and he'll be taken care of but it's really crazy to think about some of the money that that's being thrown out around out there and he's won a pack 12 title right and he's never lost to the huskies yeah he's won one more pack 12 title than than uh or uh rose bowl 
championship than uh, Chris Peterson did. Then the greatest <laughs> head coach of the greatest program in collegiate football, That's Jimmy right. Lake. Jimmy Lake. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty crazy to see the money thrown around out there, and that was another example. But again, all of this is changing because of that early signing period. It's changing the you know the way you're hiring and firing coaches and when you're doing it, and it's just again back to what you said. I thought this week would be slow, and I could kind of catch up on my honeydews. No such luck. Yeah, honey, don't this week yeah. from uh, Justin Hopkins, ScoopDuck.com. I could ask you about baseball. But honestly, the only thing I know about this team is that Waz is going to be a hell of an upgrade yep. over the staff they had last year. Oh, yeah. And I I know that team didn't get a lot of love from the coaches in the Pac-12. Nope. I think they were voted ninth. Yeah. I think they're going to exceed those expectations. I'd take that. You know what? If I'm a if I'm a first-year head coach like Waz, I would, I would much rather be at nine or ten or whatever than two or three or something with lofty expectations. Hey, you know what? Nobody's betting on us, guys. So all we got to do is just go out there and play ball. Yeah. See what happens. And I think they will. I, I can't wait. We're going to have a really good Civil War series in baseball this yeah. year. That's my prediction. And softball. I mean. that And that softball team. Yeah. I'll say it right now. We knew this was coming. As much flack as Coach Lombardi got last year. Yep. And for good reason. Yeah. Um, a lot of players felt like for she average, was. For, I don't know about for good reason, but yeah, she got it. And I mean, right. they didn't win a lot last year. I get it, but. Who would who was going to win in that situation? It was it, it. She she lost that season before the season started. Correct. Just all all the transfers, all the departures, hundred percent. And whether all of that was on her, part of that was on Rob Mullins. I get that. Yeah. But you can't deny. Uh, you know, with football recruiting, talent wins. Right. And she is stockpiling talent. Right. That team could be back in a hurry. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I mean, just she's doing it right. You know, now she's had a year basically to get her culture in place. And hey, look, here, you know, I'm not your buddy coach. Okay. You're going to, you know, you're going to do the things my way, but here's the end result. We're going to win. And, yeah. and that's the, t- I mean, and that's the thing. I think you saw the, um, it, it was the, uh, was it the, re- no, it was the Boise Bowl, right? The one that or- uh, Mario Cristobal's first, where they got smoked. Yeah, where they yeah. got smoked. Vegas Bowl against Boise. O- yeah. Oregon's first game. Uh, you know, for Mario Cristobal and everybody after that game is like, oh, crap, what happened? You what know do what we I mean? do? Yeah. What do we do? I mean, in here you've taken you've you've taken Willie Taggart, who was a player's coach and everything was pretty relaxed. And, you know, you could be late to meetings and all this other crap. Nobody cared. And Mario Cristobal inherited a whirlwind, obviously. But now, look, it took him a year to get that into place. You know what I mean? O- Oregon, that first year of his uh, of his full season. They were better, but there were still some chinks in the armor here and there. And yeah. now look at what happened the second year of him having time to put the culture in place and discipline and all this kind of stuff. Sure seems like it's similar for softball. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to see them either. If if you live in Eugene or if you just live in the area, I yeah. mean, we're, we're three hours away. I want to catch a game this year. Yep. The Jane is going to rock. PK is going to rock. It's going to be a really good spring. Yep. Yeah. Great spring. And then you'll have, uh, you know, you have spring football starting up in, in March with the spring game in April. I think April, I want to say 17th or 18th. I can't remember what day, but whatever Saturday is close to that date is the spring game. <laughs> you think they're going to do uh, a couple practices in Portland again? Probably. I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I don't know. I, I suppose I could probably find that information out. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I would say they are going to at least do one. I know that's a, a big hit for them every year. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that, that was a fun day. I mean, Hillsborough Stadium last year. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Anyway, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi, Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, 
Thanks for listening. Thanks for reading the site, for commenting on the pod every week, for sharing the pod. And uh, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else that you want to listen to your podcasts. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Thanks for listening, everybody. I can do this now.